Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Hagan. We have a great show for you today. Hit that thumbs up button and subscribe on the YouTube or the podcast. I'm joined by Bob Wanko and Kevin Kincaid. Today, the Phillies lose game two. Rest in peace, Frosty Freeze out. There's a new video of the Eagles guy who ran onto the field and more. Got a packed show for you today. Bob, thanks for coming on. What are we watching in the background right now? Uh, we got a little uh, good morning football. It looks like we have Tom Pelissero and uh, I forget her name. What's her name? Kevin, Ooh, you know. Jamie Erdahl? Jamie Erdahl, I believe. Jamie Erdahl. We, hey, we need full. Oh, Kev, sorry, you're muted. Oh. Uh, I got you now. Good. Okay, we need. We need every woman that we now address on this show, we need proper first name yes. and yeah. last name. Okay. Right. We want to avoid the snafu that we had uh, last week or the week before uh, and calling the uh, referring to a reporter's that woman, uh, yeah. a woman named first name. It wasn't enough. Honest wasn't enough. We have to be better. Honest mistake. Yeah. I would give you the benefit of the doubt, Peg, and you just couldn't remember it off the top of your head. Well, shout out to me for naming her as one of the top three Flyers reporters off the top of my head. So maybe yeah. I am progressive as fuck. That's right. Yeah. It would be more disrespectful if you were one of the Flyers reporters who was not named. Yeah. All Jordan right. Hall, fuck you. Marcus Hayes, Mike Sielski, fuck you. I'm <laughs> uh, fired up today. I am fired up. Fired up. I'm, because I'm not worried about the Padres. Everyone seems to be worried about the Padres. I'm not worried about the Padres. I actually, it's funny because I needed something. I think I was talking to Kevin. I was talking to somebody and I was like, I'm trying to find anything to hate these fans, to hate anything about them. And you just can't. And then, and then they, they rattle off six, seven runs in an inning. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to see them have any joy for the rest of the series. So You've seen it, Bob. We have John Kincaid calling it a historical collapse. We wrote about Ricky Bowe saying uh, that the momentum has shifted and everything. Forgetting, I guess, that we we lost in Atlanta in Game 2 last series. Um, am I crazy that I don't feel, you know, too worried about Friday and, and CBP having the roof blown off its place? The, the figurative roof? Yeah, so, um, I mean, let's talk about momentum. Philly's <laughs> thrilling 2-0 win in game one Juan Soto's missing fly balls in the sun for nothing Phillies have their their feet on the collective necks of the Padres all yeah. the momentum in the world and then what happened so really how good is momentum you know what does it even really mean no doubt the Phillies let a game get away from them anytime you have one of your best starting pitchers on the mound and you're up 4-0 you want to win the game you should win the game they didn't win the game it's not going to be what determines the outcome of this series it's not going to be why they they lose this series if they do go on to lose. There's still five games left here potentially that will ultimately determine what happens. And really, it's just a reactionary heat of the moment thing. And I get it. And it's understandable to be pissed off watching that game yesterday. But people need to get a grip. I mean, it, some of the analysis, and like I'm guilty of this. Like I'm a, a pretty intense guy. I'll react in the moment. That shit was embarrassing, what we saw yesterday, the reaction on Twitter. There is a lot of baseball left to be played here. And what happens over the next three games this weekend in Philadelphia is going to have much more to do with what happens in this series than than what happened yesterday. What do you think about it, Kev? What are the Phillies in the postseason right now? Six and, Six two. and two. Six and two. Okay, right. So, I mean, if we were going into this thinking that they were already playing with house money, uh, you know, I mean, what, what, what was the next expectation they were going to sweep the Padres and go right to the world <laughs> series? You know, I mean, I think people got to recalibrate a little bit. I'll, I'll do the, just for the sake of the argument though, I'll do the devil's advocate part of it. And I disagree with this, but I'll, I'll just to move it along. 
say that I think it's it's not that they lost that game. It's how they lost that game, mm-hmm. you know? And because you're saying you only have two sure bets, you think, in Wheeler and Nola, and, you know, you have a 4 nothing lead with one of those guys on the mound. Like, you would want to close it out, of course. But, like, I think people – two things here. Number one, you knew that, like, starting pitching – depth was going to be much more of an issue in a seven game series than it was having to win two games having to win three games of course it's captain obvious saying that we knew that the some of the roster stuff that they had was going to be more um exposed i guess in a, in a real seven game series but at the same time um i think people have sort of like a subconscious like flashback to cliff lee in 2011 and the nlds you know and they got him a, a the same lead and then he came out, I guess, in the fourth or fifth inning, Bob, and and you know spotted a you know gave up three runs, and then they went on to lose five to four. And so I think people kind of have PTSD from that a little bit and say, hey, we had an opportunity here. Hey, we had another big lead with a quote unquote ace on the mound. And we can talk about whether Aaron Noel is an ace or not, but I'm I'm talking about your two best pitchers and thinking that you have an opportunity there, and maybe they have some flashbacks to that and think that they lost an opportunity there. I don't think that equates to to losing momentum necessarily, but it was a blown opportunity for sure. And I, I don't. See, here's the thing, man. You pointed this out to me earlier today because I forgot. But after they lost that Cliff Lee game in 2011, they came back and won the next game. Yeah, they won game three. Ben Francisco hit a, a late home run to, to get a two on three lead. And then, and they, then lost. they lost four and five with Oswalt and uh, I guess Halliday, right? Back on back on the mound. Yeah. So, yeah. so I don't, I don't look, man. If you ask anybody at the beginning of the series uh, and, and said, hey, they're going to come back with a one one split and they're going to have three games at Citizens Bank Park, wouldn't anybody have taken that? Yeah, I think the the thing that I'm having trouble parsing through right now is that you're exactly right. I think we all would have said, you know, earlier this week, 1-1 coming back to Philadelphia would be a good spot for them. If if after what happened over the first two games, it sort of changed your confidence level and how this series is going to play out, I'm not really sure why. Because I don't think many people thought that the Phillies were going to go into San Diego and win both games. I, I just don't think that that's a reasonable expectation. Yeah. Nobody really wants to hear this, but I mean, like those guys get paid too. They're a very good team. In a lot of ways, they're a mirror image of the Phillies. There's some some big superstars. Uh, they've had the bullpen kind of clean itself up down the stretch. Um, you know, good starting pitching at the top of the rotation. Probably a little bit more depth in the rotation than the Phillies have. It's a dangerous team, and it's a good team that's been playing really good baseball. Uh, you know, a wild card team that's kind of gotten hot that has a lot of belief in itself. So if the if the thought that there was that the Phillies were going to come back here up 2-0 and just go on this march in four or five. You know, maybe five still happens, but I don't I don't think that's what the series was ever going to be. I mean, beforehand, I kind of said six. I thought it would be Phillies in six. It may be Padres in six. This is a coin flip series moving forward. And if you're concerned, I like I get that. There's there's reason that you could be a little bit anxious about what's going to play out here. But I just don't think that the first two games should in any way, shape or form change your opinion of about what's what's to come here. And I have a stat right here where if you are a lifetime Phillies fan back to the 1977 NLCS, you should be used to them losing game two because this came from NBC Sports Phillies post game. The Phillies are 0 and 8 in playoff road game twos in a series of at least best of five after winning game one. 1977 NLCS, 83 NLCS, 83 World Series, 08 World Series, 09 NLCS, 09 World Series, 2022 NLDS, 2022 NLCS. So this has been going on for the last almost 50 years and whatnot. So I'm not I'm not worried. But hey, listen, let me do a little galaxy brain for you, Bob. Little, little, little big brain 2020 hindsight thinking right here. Would you ever have thought about shifting Ranger Suarez into the game two spot and have Nola pitch game three Friday since at worst you could leave San Diego 1-1? 
There's, I, I suppose, a thought to that. And uh, <laughs> if you look, if you look at his, uh, like, I'll, I'll give this. I'm, I'm surprised you're even not telling me I'll just to go fuck myself. Say, like, I'll entertain the thought. I mean, Ranger Suarez has been better on the road this year than he has been at home. Um, I, I guess you could, you could probably make the argument that way. I think that you want to get your best pitchers on the mound as early as you can uh, in a series and as frequently as you can. And what's going to happen in the back end of the series is really interesting. Obviously you have Ranger Suarez going in game three, Rob Thompson talked uh, after game two about game four, probably being some type of piggyback situation. You'll have a starter go out there probably one time through the lineup. It may not be Noah Syndergaard. He had indicated that last night. And so then what you're looking at is now, Obviously, Zach Wheeler in game five, and then Aaron Nolan in a game six. I, I think you're just better off keeping it that way. I, I would want to get my guys out there and try to win this thing as quickly as possible, take your best shot. You you could defer and go Ranger Suarez and maybe and, and house money sort of type thing in, in game two. I just don't think that's the way that you play. You leave yourself really open to criticism if things backfire under that type of under that type of setup. And I don't know what type of message that really sends to your clubhouse. Think about what the Phillies have accomplished this year and how much it's been about Rob Thompson's trust in his players. You start doing goofy stuff like this and overthinking things. I think that sometimes you sort of raise eyebrows in a clubhouse. And so much of what this Phillies team has done is about playing confident, playing loose and relaxed. You come out with that type of plan. And I think all of a sudden some guys say like, what are we doing? And I think that you lose some of the buy-in from your players. And there's a human element to this. So I wouldn't overthink it. Can I make a point here? Two points, actually, real quick. Number one about house money, because I saw somebody on Twitter say, I don't think they're playing with house money anymore. They've made it this far, and now there's expectate, like there's realistic expectation they can make it to the World Series. Um, and I think that's true just for the fact that they're playing a five seed, right? I mean, so they're not playing the Dodgers or whatever. But bottom line, if you take like a $25 free bet on DraftKings or something and you win it and you turn it into $50, okay. And then you turn the, take the $50 and you win on a plus 110 or whatever, Okay, now you got a hundred some dollars. Like just because you've been winning a bunch of games and stretching a bunch of stuff together, you're still doing all of that off a free bet. Yeah, you know. So I don't think you can like move the goalposts and, and reverse and say like, uh, you know, now like we expect more of them and and that the the we have heightened uh, you know scrutiny of every single thing that happens just because you know now that they're here they prove that they should be here. I, I don't know. Like I don't think you I don't think you do that. Because if you had if you had asked anybody at the beginning of the playoffs, like you always knew that getting to a seven game series with only having two sure bets as starting pitchers was always going to present a problem. You, yeah, you know I what I mean? so nothing, will, nothing really nothing really changed in that regard. You know what I mean? I, I think that there's two different ways to look at it. In the moment, you see, hey, this is basically a coin flip series. I mean, odds makers gave the Padres a slight lean ahead of Game One. You go out and get Game One. All of a sudden, now Phillies are basically a two to one favorite to advance to the World Series. So. Game three, even odds. It's minus 110 aside. Essentially, the series outcome is basically even. You now have home field advantage. I think that you can look at this and step back a week from now if they don't reach the World Series and say it was a pretty good season and it was unexpected and it was really fun. And that, that was great. But I do think that in the moment, you're allowed to be frustrated and feel like you left something on the table if you don't advance. I mean, listen. Yeah. Yeah. You still have the, the the defending world champion Atlanta Braves are back in this division. They're really young. They're really good. Uh, initial conversations out of Atlanta is that they're going to be more aggressive with their payroll moving forward. You still have Steve Cohen leading the New York Mets, who's willing to spend, who had a 100-win team this season. And yeah, the Mets are the Mets, and we do all that LOL Mets bullshit, but they're here to stay. They're going to be a factor moving forward. The yeah. Phillies have an opportunity, though unexpected, to reach the World Series and potentially win a championship, and you don't know – I mean, hell, just look back to 2011. We all thought that they were going to run it back, and that was going to become the norm. 
you don't know when you're going to get back to this point and have such a favorable setup when you do. And so if you feel like, yo, they can do it, they should do it, I think you're entirely justified to feel that way. Let me um, – the second point before I lose it in my head. I actually want to take a – steal a word from Daryl Morey. Um, talking about momentum in baseball, momentum in any sport. I think momentum is a nebulous concept because it's like what, – what, how do you define momentum anyway? Like if you're talking about linking together – in a short amount of time, you know, high level play. I mean, they literally have to get on a plane, fly across the country, have a day off. And now they're playing in a completely different stadium at, at one, one 40 you know? degrees so, too. It's not 90 degrees in San, in, in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's different in baseball too, because it's like, you're facing a completely different starting pitcher, you know, every single game. So it's not like, you know, I'll give you the NBA playoffs, right. As a, as an example, you play seven games, the same five starting dudes for the most part, playing the same five starting dudes. You figure out, pick a team, you pick it, you figure out the John Morant pick and roll. Like you're good. Okay. So you're building that momentum, right? But, but you're, you getting the same thing every day and it's oftentimes the same kind of stuff. I mean, baseball, it's like you, you're, it's, you're starting a completely different sequence every single time a new uh, a starting pitcher goes up there so i don't really i don't really buy the concept of momentum in baseball the same way i do other sports and, and you know say for the fact that like if bryce harper gets hot he's hot you know hit, hitters go on streaks but i don't i don't i don't think it's it's that that big of a deal to be honest it's it's interesting that you bring this up i think that momentum is a talking point for fans and and media um i don't think it's real for players i really don't i think that belief is real for players. And so you saw what this team has done now. Once they got into the postseason, they yes. they make the comeback in game one. They believe. There's a belief in that clubhouse that I don't think was there at different points in September when they were fumbling down the stretch. Momentum is, is not real. It is not real in baseball. What I think that you have to test, though, is, is the belief in the Phillies clubhouse wavered or has it wavered following that game? And I don't think that it will. I think that that same belief, that same level of belief is there. And I do think that's real. And I think that that's what really matters for that team. For us, we sit here and say, oh, they had all the momentum. It's easy for us to say that. I think the players, guys that go through the grind of this day in, day out, they know it's all bullshit. And I think if you listen to the press conference after the game, I mean, Schwerber and, and, and Harper basically had the same exact press conference where it was like, yeah, I mean, this happens. Like, we're going back. We'll be there Friday. We're, look, we're looking forward to getting in front of the fans. Now, the thing is, I don't think uh, differently than momentum. I don't think momentum's like real, but you know, you think about like those Yankee aura teams back in the early 2000s, like you going in to the Bronx and having to beat those teams. Now, I think that's real. I think the aesthetic of a fan base and whatnot. And, you know, I think people were a little bit hard on the, on the Padres fans. I thought they actually showed up pretty well. Yeah. I thought they were pretty uh, fucking loud. Yeah, um, I, thought, I thought especially in game two, especially when things started to, to turn in their favor, those fans were pretty good the yeah. back half of the game. I think on Friday – is very important how the Phillies fans show up, and I think they will show up, and I think that will really. You're you're not playing. The Padres haven't played a team or a fan base like they're going to in Philadelphia. And people say, "Well, they played the New York Mets. Well, they played in front of thirty thousand people. They couldn't even sell that game three out." So I don't want to hear that bullshit. I think it is going to be very important for the fans to show up on Friday. What I'm interested to see about the fans. I mean, I know that they'll sell out. I know it's going to be loud. I, you know, having been in that stadium last last Friday, the fans brought an edge. 
Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just, oh, we're, we're all here and we're waving rally towels around. It was a mean fan base. Like yeah. it was, it was like angry. And I think it was angry because a division rival, you hate the Braves. People in the city have hated the Braves for a long time. But I think there was also that pent up frustration that like sort of released, like we're finally frigging back. Right. Mm-hmm. Like people just brought it. I, I hope that they have the same nastiness and the same edge. I think they will. Saturday night. And I, I think alcohol will help and, and a later start time will help. And it's yeah. going to be kind of cold. You know, you guys, I don't know if either of you have been outside 530, 6 o'clock in the morning last couple of days. It's going to be a little chilly. Yeah. It, I expect it to have like a, a Lincoln financial feel to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's what I think this fan base needs to bring. That can be intimidating. I still Bob, th- um, Sorry, one second, Kev. I yeah, still think that them winning and going 1-1 is why they're going to bring a nastiness on Friday. If they would have went two and zero, I don't think it would have been as nasty as passionate and everything, but there's still going to be, I don't know who's going to pitch Musgrove. There's still going to be your Musgrove chance. There's still going to be your Machado, your Soto guys that like these guys have hated. At least Soto has been in the NL East before. And you, and you've had uh, instances where you can hate that guy. They're going to be all over Manny Machado. Not that Manny yeah. Machado's ever done anything to this fan base, but they're going to well, crush him. Well, he's, he spurned, he spurned that electrician that welcomed him to the, uh, yeah. Do you and get Tom, to Cudero, Tom Cudero to throw out the first pitch on uh, yeah. game three? And then he put him on the mic and say, do the right thing and sign, Manny. Um, so pull that AGM thing up again. Energy yeah. edge is good as long as the fills keep jumping out early like yeah. against the Braves, but can turn yeah. into a nervous edge. That's true. Don't get me wrong. But there was still an edge when Spencer Strider – is it Spencer Strider? When Strider was knocking down Philly after Philly, that fan base never went away. We were oh, still coming after him. So I yeah. think even if Musgrove comes out and gives you three, four, and as long as it's not like, you know, nine, nothing, if it's still like one, two, nothing, I don't think Phillies are, are going to lose that edge. I was there Friday and I, we, we were staying on Strider the whole time. Let me, uh, Bob, just, just walk it through it. Walk through this with us. So you've got um, Suarez going tomorrow against Musgrove. Um, if Suarez gets to the, third or fourth inning pick and pick an inning and you have to have a guy come in right after him and kind of kind of bridge the gap i mean are you looking at like like cinder guard or red hand <laughs> it's, it's probably not going to be red hand it's, like it's what's, the, what's the what's the play there i i think that to, to be perfectly honest with you rangers ranger suarez is is sort of the wild card in, in how this whole series plays out they're i don't believe that the phillies are going to be able to withstand a, a three inning performance from Ranger Suarez in game three. Like I think that not only will that have a negative impact on, on game three itself, I think that there's a, a trickle down effect. Everyone keeps talking about how the Phillies were in this exact same spot against Atlanta. And it's true to an extent. The one difference is that you were going to Aaron Nola, who you felt really good about in, yeah. in that third game. Yeah. You, you weren't, you're not here in, in this series. So that's, what's different now. To, to answer your question, it probably depends where the Padres are at in the order. What is the score? What's the situation? Um, I, I think that if, if Noah Syndergaard isn't starting, let's say if Noah Syndergaard is not your, your game four starter, yeah. maybe you use him as, as your piggyback option here in game three. If they're a little bit deeper into the game, they might get Sir Anthony Dominguez in now for multiple innings, maybe a little bit earlier. I think the Phillies are going to have a very all-hands-on-deck approach to Game 30. I think that they understand the absolute significance of this. What they need to do over the next two games is win one. They need to get this thing even, 
2-2 and then hand the ball back to Wheeler and Nola and hope that at, at that point you can get it done. And they, Thompson, confer- did he confirm Wheeler for game five? I, I th- he is not, but I mean, I think it's almost a, I saw the idea of if, if they were to lose game three, go, go Wheeler on short yeah. rest in game four. I don't Ooh. think they'll do that. That feels like a panic move. Yeah. They've got to just find a way to sell out in, in the next two games. I feel to, to get to game five with Wheeler back on the mound, at least split. If they can win both, I don't know that you go back out West. You know, I, I really don't. Yeah. If anyone has any questions for Bob in the chat, too, you feel free to, or Kevin, or me, feel free to uh, jump in here. Um, hey, Bob, why do you think Mrs. Noah doesn't like Aaron as much as she likes Austin? <laughs> I mean. Yeah, two sons, right? Like, and you see one struggle a little bit more than the other to get to where they're at. Don't you kind of, <laughs> don't you kind of favor? Like, if I were, I'm trying to think, like, I, I have a second second child coming, so I'll have two kids. Yeah. And if one is is already kind of hit it big, signed the big contract, and the other one took forever to reach the major leagues. And it's what, kind the of one new- who has better earning potential? Yeah, I think you, I think you kind of like have to go with your underdog, uh, your underdog child there and, and give them the nod. But Aaron Nola definitely has much, much higher earning potential moving forward. Yeah. And uh, Aaron Nola's also taking a lot of shit from this fan base. And if you're a protective parent, you, you probably know the criticism is going to be much, much deeper for Aaron than it is for Austin if he strikes out in that situation. So if it were me, I, I probably would have would have been pulling for Aaron a little bit harder to be totally honest. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, you could see it. She's clapping when Austin gets a gets a hit on him. Mister looks like frightened to death. He doesn't know what to do. The yeah. lady behind him is trying to high five. He's basically giving her a backhand, like, "Hey, get the hell out of here, lady." Here's I know, I know that we have like the, the aunts and uncles and like the you know the, the common fan like tuning in for the series. So we need these like these hokey storylines that we can put on six ABC and stuff like. Can we retire the the Nola brothers story? Not the dad wearing the two jerseys. Yeah, not particularly interesting people uh, by nature. <laughs> They're not exactly great sound bites. John dad Clark mom, had him. Dad John and Mark Clark- with awesome people. Like I don't need to see them on TV yeah. anymore. Like let's re- let's turn the page. I mean, they almost, had, they almost had an they almost had a Mister and Mrs. Nola cam at one point. <laughs> John Clark yeah. got into the stadium somehow. He probably texted Mr. Nolan and was like, meet me at gate one, gate, left field gate, section 132 by the hot dogs. I'll give you a quick interview for a soundbite. It's funny, man, because anything that we did in the news business, whatever like national news or international news happened, we could always find a way to localize it. You know, if there was like a coal mining accident in like uh, – pick an obscure country like Uzbekistan or something. We would find somebody in Philadelphia who knew a fucking Uzbek coal miner. Oh, right. And like, we would put, we would put them on TV, man. And we would find a way to, to, <laughs> to make like, it work. It's like the planes that go down in India and they had 108 people on board. It's like, man, we hate the 106 people that died, but there was one American and we have to interview his family. They and find like, they find the one dude who's from <laughs> Philly or like studied at Penn for for a week or so. I know it's insane how all that stuff. Oh, but these are like field day. Man, I remember when I came back to Philly, like it was in the middle of the World Series run, man, and we would just like solicit, uh, "Hey, show us your kid wearing a Eagles or wearing a Philly shirt or whatever." You know, and like we get like three hundred people would be like, uh, I, "My job is to look at like the emails coming in or whatever." Just be like thing after thing after thing of people just want to get their like kid on television or want to put themselves in there's like the weather photos you know yeah it's like here's a bobby in uh burholm with this build a snowman you know it's snowing up there you know I mean, it's, it's spray uh, painted it's just, a philly's red pea on it 
yeah. yeah. Okay. By the way, did we ever figure out? Uh, so I thought it was uh, it was uh, Bill Walton next to uh, Del Harris in in Game One, blocking. Uh, I, I got an email from somebody that said it's not. It wasn't Del Harris, but it was this guy of uh, Pat Kilkenny from like Oregon. Who's like oh. best friends with with him or something like that? But I don't. Know. I guess we just assumed like a six foot four guy with white hair in California was Del Harris, you know. So I try to ignore Bill Walton when he's on a broadcast, so I'm certainly not going to pay much attention <laughs> to him in the middle of a Phillies playoff game. He was enjoying himself. He was I talking. Saw you guys, I saw you guys going back and forth about Bill Walton. I just I glossed right over that. Like I, yeah. how many how many flies do you think Bill Walton catches in his mouth? Because that dude just never cut never never closes in his mouth. He's just always sitting it's, there in the back. Uh, he was talking the whole time. I know. I know. It was fun though. It was it's interesting to look at the Padres crowd compared to the Phillies crowd, you know. I do think that they have some like when the time matters for them, I think they give a shit. Like they were very upset about the Chargers leaving. Yeah. Um yeah, they had know, the but, uh, the Boltman went down to City Hall and gave a City Hall uh uh discussion in his full Boltman gear. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I, you know, it's like they don't. It's it's not like life or death for them, you know. I think like when the when they rise to the occasion, when there's a big moment or something, yeah, that place is gonna be rocking. But it's not. It's not. They don't. They don't look at sport the way that. How can you, man? It's beautiful out there. I mean, they were showing shots of the sand and everything. Shots so of the beaches. Nice, did you is, see the? Awesome did you city. see the production that went into the tacos? The, 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 <laughs> yeah. Like. That we, I was, I wrote about, I talked about this on on Twitter. It was just like we get like a, a shot of a guy with dirty fingernails chopping up meat with next to a tub of cheese goo whenever yeah. like NBC comes to the Sunday night broadcast. Yeah, I felt like very out of place in like La Jolla and uh, all these other places. Where I'm like, wow, this is way too nice for Dude, me. You go from like, Boyertown to La Jolla, yeah, is it makes Boyertown like, look like uh, Sarajevo or something. You yeah. Know? I, <laughs> So no I, I did uh, listening. I did a radio hit in San Diego yeah. Sports Talk Radio this morning, and I have to imagine that they must have reached out to twelve other Phillies writers who are all flying <laughs> back across the country this morning. And they're like, "I said, yeah, I can do it." And they're like, "All right, cool." Our thirteenth yeah. times a charm. So anyway, I did. I did this that hit. That was and, busy. Yeah, they were all busy. Uh, so I did this hit, and you know, I said I was actually pretty impressed with Padres fans, especially in Game Two. I asked, I said, you know, how's it been out there? They said people are really, really into this when when teams are good, when teams make runs, uh, when Padres get deep in the postseason, you know, people get real fired up. And uh, I said, yeah, I mean, listen, I was pretty impressed with the San Diego crowd. I said, but I do got to ask you guys. I said, what the hell was that, you know, that's what's in video all about? <laughs> and uh, they were funny. I mean, the, the three guys, they were just like, listen, we do not claim him as our own. That was absolutely embarrassing. Yeah. So, and then you know, we started talking and they're like, what's it going to be like in Philly this weekend? And I said exactly what we talked about earlier. I said, it's going to be loud. It's going to be sold out. It's going to be drunk, you know, but is there going to be, is there going to be that same edge? That's going to be a big question. So that's, I think a huge storyline. I do actually think the Phillies fans will play at least in some capacity, a role in what happens this weekend. Oh, for sure. yeah. You think Joe Musgrove right. brings the, uh, the hot air? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think he might. So, yeah. uh, uh, listen, man, like it's, it's, it's great. I mean, this is awesome for like somebody that, that really cares about baseball. If you're a fan, you know, you've been writing about this stuff, whatever the case may be like this weekend is, is awesome. Like this is what you, this is what you live for as a fan, as, as a, as a baseball fan. So it's, it's going to be really, really good stuff. Listen, we've, we've had uh, some, our share of bad musical performance, sports musical performances, or I don't want to make fun of anybody, but Dave, if you can pull up that one um, that I put in the, 
the chat pull it up but do you, we, we remember we had go go gadget yeah that's coggins like least favorite thing about the high energy <laughs> remix of uh can i be honest i didn't think it was Why that was- bad when it first got released maybe i was just like on a high from the super bowl but i was like you know this is kind of a catchy yeah. tune yeah are we, we in like- on the uh are we in on the eagles christmas album sure they wore my shirt they wore my Jalen hurt shirt i'm i'm biased i have to be <laughs> why not I, uh, you can buy me it was better. Their version of Santa Claus is coming down better than the spring. So, yeah, you remember this guy? Yeah, well, this, this guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was before the Saints game where we got murdered like 44 yeah. to 6, I think. Look, he had backup singers and everything, too. He had four women doing the uh, chorus for him. I remember how it goes. It's like, Sproles is in the goal. Oh, you don't know. Yeah. Carson's going to take it down. Um, his whole his whole aesthetic offends me. So, um <laughs> Yeah, he looks like he looked like Scott Steiner there. He looked like yeah. Big Papa Pump if he was. Uh, you bring that back up again, Dave, if you can. If Scott Steiner was an Eagles fan who traveled with the uh, fans of Philly, yeah. yeah, good dude though, man. I, no, it was a cool. It was like um, he had the whole setup there. He had uh, one, two, three, four, five people giving doing the uh, doing it with him. You know, so, that is actually yeah, yeah, hey, much better than the uh, San Diego uh, thing. Well, though. the guy behind the one. The guy behind the lead singer was like, "Hey, slow, slow down, slow down!" Like, like yeah. the guy was going too fast or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Beat was what really took that yeah. whole thing south. If yeah. they were on, if they were on time, it would have been perfect. Yeah, an acapella yeah. movie. He's like, "Yo, this is our big chance. Don't fuck it up. Slow down here." You know, that's like you definitely know that that's what he was thinking in his head. Uh, yeah. Hey, hey, um, speaking of weirdos, what, do, Pagan, have you been been able? Did anybody email you about the guy who ran out onto the field with the Eagles? We're chasing one lead. It's a Facebook message, so you got to take that with a grain of salt. But it just it just came across saying I know him, and I have just uh, corresponded back saying, "Can you yeah. introduce me to him?" Uh, now that it came out with new video and everything, in fact that he's being charged and the NFL is investigating it, it's going to be a lot harder to get this guy on. But I think we can still chase as many leads. So if you know anybody, yeah. if you know the guy who uh, who ran out on Sunday, we now have an al- alternative view which is even better if Dave can pull that up. It would be great um, if we got him on and then that's there were legal proceedings and then like yeah. Kyle Pagan got subpoenaed. To, to oh my God. Could you imagine that? Yeah. See, like I never want to be on jury duty, but I'd like to be a part of a, a of a court case. In a <laughs> well, that might happen with uh, Victor Fiorillo from uh, Philly Mag because like he's named in the Stu Bykovsky lawsuit. Okay, so here's a uh, big dog. Back escorting. to the beginning, Dave. Yeah. Look at him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, look at me. Yeah. I mean, for as drunk as this guy is, and he was absolutely hammered, it was an impeccable run. Like, like he didn't stumble one time. Like Daniel Jones had little less success than what that he guy did running do, out. Man. He looks like he's like a trainer or something. You know, he's just running out with he, the, the, the team. You know? He really does. The only the only problem with him is he didn't have an escape plan, and the and the security was like, well, our our equipment guys don't wear khakis, and they don't have you know. Uh, yeah. snus hanging out the back of their uh, in the in the back pocket. There he is. <laughs> He's still airplane. Big dumb. This guy could be like the new white whale. Since we were able to book Joe Cordell after five years of trying, our our mm-hmm. big guests are these two right here, Dom and that guy. And then uh, it's kind of reminds me of Brian Hickey from Philly Voice. Spent like five years trying to get the the Super Bowl parade horse shit eater to talk to him. And he just like refused over and over again. It was a very, it was a very sore spot for Hickey. Cause I kept asking, I'm like, did you find the identity of the horse shit eater? And he's like, yeah, I went and knocked on his door, but he said, I, that the, he said the horse shit eater like slammed the door in his face. So I don't think I've ever told this story before I was at crossing broad. Um, I spent like 48 hours trying to track down the Russell Westbrook popcorn thrower. Like, 
oh, literally yeah. Yeah. went to Delco bars, chased leads, everything. <laughs> You went to, Delco Delco bars, is I went to Delco bars. <laughs> I went to Delco bars because like, where would I be? And yeah, I had some leads. Hunt's, uh, I, Hunt's Annex Lounge. Looking I for. literally talked to this dude in the middle of Delco bar, just yeah. the dingiest bar, and he would not give it up who the guy was. And then he texted me a day later, and I went back to the guy's house, knocked on the door, and he wasn't there. When I lived in Delco for six months, the, the closest bar to us was called the Bungalow Inn. That's where, it was, that's where I talked to the guy. You talking about the bungalow? Yeah. yeah, we should do a live crossing broadcast from the uh, the bungalow on uh, Baltimore Pike and shitty bars in Delco because there's one Heights. on every street corner. Yeah, I'll do it for free wings. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, so the horse poop eater didn't want to talk to him, but um, it's it's uh, fine. Speaking of the Sixers, the uh, there was a, quite the response to the. Wendy's frosty freeze out disappearing <laughs> this year. Did you anticipate that people are going to be as uh, like responsive yes. to the bricking for chicken thing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, first, I want to say that uh, I will take chicken over over a frosty any single day of the week. I mean, you yeah. can eat chicken for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You can't have a frosty at at lunch or breakfast. But wait, real quick. So I think I think the thing here is that when you would go get the free frosty. Like you'd buy a burger or chicken nuggets or something, right? So they would get you to spend more money probably buying yeah. lunch instead of just going and getting your dessert, right? I mean, is it counterintuitive for Chick-fil-A to say, hey, we're getting you a five piece? Like, is a person get to get the five piece? Are they also buying? Yeah, they might get a drink. Them? Maybe they'll get a five piece and and they have a family of four and like you know, they'll get three sandwiches out of it and stuff. Yeah, I mean, isn't isn't it that like isn't like the marketing science behind that being like if you give somebody a ten percent off discount for something, they're typically gonna buy like yeah. twenty more dollars extra stuff. So it just really Yeah. We gotta get a marketing expert on the out. show. I'll get my wife on the show someday and ask her about that. You know, what do you know? Bob, what, what can you tell us about it? Bob, what do you think about the frosty freeze out? Are you disappointed to see it go away? I'm sure you're really, you know, sad. I, yeah, I'm a big frosty guy. I like frosties, but I will say, like, what frosty you know, do you get? Do you get chocolate? Do you get vanilla? Do you, vanilla? do you mix yeah. them? Do you mix them? No, nah, never, never. Oh, the I'm not, the concrete is the best. Dude, I don't love. I don't love. I'm not a chocolate ice cream guy. I'm a vanilla ice cream guy. I don't know what it is. I, I'll say this: if you get to those winter months, like January, February, I'd rather have some chicken than a frosty. Exactly. So, I mean, I think from a seasonal standpoint, this is mm-hmm. a good move for the Sixers. I, I really feel good about the direction of the organization following this announcement. <laughs> Can I just say real quickly, because um, I knew this was going to be inevitable that people were going to do like the anti Chick Fil A response, like I don't want to, I don't want to eat the homophobic chicken or or whatever it is, right? But I mean, to each their own. If you feel that way, you feel that way. But the Sixers already had a partnership with Chick Fil A. This is not new. I mean, like I remember five years ago, one of the first stories I did for Crossing Bros when that guy hit the half court shot and he got everybody like a chicken biscuit in the building. Yeah. So they've got a partnership with Chick Fil A. The union have a partnership with Chick-fil-A. I think the Eagles have some kind of thing with Chick-fil-A too, don't they? People so still I, buy Volkswagens and you know what that history is like. Well, I mean, look, you put – yeah, we're all compromised, aren't we? We're all complicit in some shit. You put gas in your car, the oil probably came from like a country that, you know, is has problematic – Grounded uh, up Jamal Khashoggi. We're doing the World Cup in Qatar where you're not even allowed to like, you know <laughs> – do anything yeah chad, so. chad johnson almost got detained for for kissing his girlfriend in the in the airport yeah yeah no you pda guys, no PDA. so you guys are in the on the daily blog game right so you're desensitized to like political incorrectness oh, yeah 
I'm like, this thing is being watched. It's on YouTube. I'm just going to smile and nod. Like, I'm not saying shit. Oh, dude, we don't actually the- take a stand, Bob. We just point out when people are being hypocrites or overdoing yeah, yeah. it. You know, I'm we're like the worst. Like, let's, get yeah. it, let's get back yeah. to anything yeah. else. Yeah, we're the worst kind of it. But I just, that's, I'm, I mean, it's, I'm it's, still in teacher mode. He's still in teacher mode yeah. where he's like, he hasn't been a teacher for two yeah. years now, but he's still like, fuck, this is going to get me canned. But it's not new. Like, it's not new. So people are like, oh, the Sixers really got it wrong. I mean, they've always been part of it. for a slide off. All right. Yeah. Now, here's yeah, a guy who's buy, leaving the show. I, there used to be Chick-fil-A in my section back in like 221A when I see the yeah. tickets that they took it away. It was it was the worst thing that happened to me. I have a serious question, actually, as I segue out of this to make Bob more comfortable. When they showed this uh, Schwarber like 488-foot bomb or whatever, when, how, when did the StatCast era start? Uh, I believe 2015. So you're looking at like seven years worth of data. When okay, they so like the second farthest and, and all that. So yeah. he has the longest postseason home run of the stat cast era and the mm-hmm. second hardest hit. I believe I think, top five. I think it's the, the second farthest. I think I believe there was one that went 491. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Back when the Cubs yeah. were in the postseason, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I had that right. Yeah, I just that's um, crazy, man. He he, the side by side that they did, I guess it was Luke um, from Liberty Line did the side by side with the Matt Stairs thing, was just crazy. But I, like, I I don't I so on my phone, like I get the push notifications for the Crossing Broad Twitter account. I'm not really on there, like you know, but I I see it and it was just a bang 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 bang. But people like responded to the retweet or something like that but it was just i was crazy man he I, i've never seen a dude like just catch a catch a ball the thing that actually got me like we were just talking about like local news and, and you know it can be a little bit corny with some of the storylines i guess it was pat pat gallon uh mm-hmm. from uh what's CBS, CBS three he was uh he went up to the seat yesterday where the ball landed and like you know reverse angle like looking at home plate and like that gives it a whole different look of like wow that ball really traveled there's actually a story on nj.com a bunch of different coaches around south jersey were like if kyle schwerber hit that ball on our field this is what it, where it would have landed and it was like up on like yeah. the school roof like the cafeteria yeah yeah it was cool. i think somebody put cool. on twitter that it would have it would have been uh the ball would have left yankee stadium twice twice yeah that's insane to me that's yeah someone also put out that it would have hit a highway by cardinal harris field and would have caused an accident so that would have been funny too yeah in boyertown it would have landed in like a cornfield or something it would have hit a deer and you guys would have had dinner (laughs) (laughs) well we did get the first day of hunting season off every year you know so it's but yeah I think that was a very berks county kind of thing yeah yeah, there we go schwerber's home run was hit at my high school uh, wherever the fuck that is. Yeah, this is uh, Bishop Eustace in Pensalkin, and they Bishop. actually their field their field backs up to uh, Route 70 there in South Jersey, and so it would have actually gone over the highway here and landed on top of uh, this like little strip mall. Yeah, thing it, would out. A, it would have hit a, a soccer mom going into Best Buy. <laughs> yeah. That looks like that. That reminds me of like the uh, the Penn the University of Pennsylvania fields that are all like on the highway yeah. there. Yeah, you, know, you, sh- you shank short. something and it goes over the net. It's landed on the expressway. You know, it's like oh, it's like the guy go- uh, like top golf or something. He would have hacked it yeah. over the top of the uh, the net and it would have landed on two ninety five. So many golf courses in Philly, and I'm sure there is in Jersey with just high with just major roadways going next to like the seventh hole, and you're just like praying that you don't shank it into some guy's windshield. Bobby, what do you uh, what do you think about Smoltzy? What do you think about Smoltz's performance? Um, the funny thing is, I didn't think he was that bad when we played the Braves last last uh, 
last year. Maybe he was cognizant of it and everything, but holy yeah. shit. You would have thought you Darvish was Nolan Ryan. And this Himsong Kim guy, or whatever his name is, he's the next coming of Shohei Atani, according to these guys. Yeah, I think Josh Wilson was definitely cognizant of like, I don't wanna, you know, I don't wanna fluff up the Braves too much here, you know, former team. Listen, Philly fans, I think, incorrectly also. Uh, are always like, uh, are, are this announcer's against us, or, you know, they're so biased for the other team. And I think that that's kind of lame. I don't even think John Smoltz is like, I don't think he has a Padres bias. I think what happens is you get into these high-profile games, you want to be insightful, you want to talk the whole time. And and I think that that was really what he was guilty of. He just wouldn't shut up. And unfortunately for, for Phillies fans, he was just fixated on, on what you Darvish was doing. And you Darvish is a great pitcher, and he was throwing the ball extremely well. But, I mean, that's what I ended up tweeting out. I'm like, he's going to have to take a break from the enshrinement speech for, for 30 seconds yeah. after, after you know, uh, Harper went deep. I mean, it was just crazy. It was so over the top. And, like, sometimes I think when you're calling a game and you have to sort of be neutral down the middle, I think you got to, like, sort of, like, evaluate yourself in the moment and be like, all right, I'm getting a little carried away here. Yeah. I mean, Zach Wheeler's pitching one hit ball, no hitter yeah. through five, and it I mean, was just it was the like, U Darvish pitch, pitching. Watched, uh, he watches video and he has different grips. Yeah. I'm like, U Darvish is not the only pitcher in the history of Major League Baseball to watch video on his opposing hitters. You know, uh, like it was, it was wild, wild. Did uh, did you see that? I, I I've been a part of a misinformation campaign. I did. I helped. I helped uh, spread your. Yeah, thank you. Apology. Appreciate that, Bob. Actually, that's I good. Did. That's good. You helped me. You helped me appreciate. You helped me spread my apology. Um, unfortunately now there's another campaign who are like, I'm just going to retweet it just for the shit, just for the, just for the fun of it. Um, so yeah, so here it is. I made a joke saying that everyone at city hall on the stop on the way to the Phillies, this was last Friday. It was game three. It was kind of like a ha ha jokey, jokey kind of thing, like blah, blah, blah. But anyone who's ever lived in the Delaware Valley, I know Kevin's been on the subway, Bob, I don't know if you've ever ventured on the subway. Everybody knows that that looks nothing like city hall. City hall is one of the worst stops in the world. It's all confined. You can't even get out of there. If someone wants to come and rob you, you have nowhere to go. That one looks like the most spacious subway platform I've ever seen in my life. That looks like nine and three quarters from the Harry Potter books. Yeah, the, the, the biggest tell here is is that nobody's dressed in red. Nobody's, nobody's in a peacoat and a scarf. Nobody's wearing that to a Phillies game in the middle of October for a 4.30 start. You know, like there's just no, or whatever time that game started. Like it just... There's no, there's no way that that makes sense. All you had to do was look. Like, what are people doing? Go to the, yeah, go to the third picture in, Dave. Look at this picture. That third picture in. That's the City Hall stop. That's the yeah. scariest place in Philadelphia. And that's saying something right now. Speaking um, of misinformation, yeah. not to make Bob uncomfortable here again, but <laughs> did, did you see? Did you see? Now, here's a guy who, yeah. Um, <laughs> did you see that they they edited the Jill Biden video from Sunday night? <laughs> they really? Yeah, and took the NBC feed uh, when they or no the NFL Twitter account had video of her singing "Fly Eagles Fly" right, and you could hear like a little bit of booing and whatever in the background. But they they cut the audio and they put a different audio on top of the video so that you saw her singing, but all you heard was like boo. And then it's like every blue check mark, right wing Twitter account just started sharing this thing like over and over and over again. Clay Travis. Well, it's funny enough, like I was trying to do something like reasonable on the site, and I had to keep searching to find like unedited video of her being booed because they didn't show it on 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 video the the broadcast really hadn't even started then but bob you were 
down there, right? Yeah, I have a I have a source that was sitting in section 129, and the oh, okay. source is me. And, uh, <laughs> and it was um it was a it was a loud and overwhelming <laughs> boo. Like, yeah, yeah. So I so, actually, to be honest with you, I mean, I expected boos, but I also expected like that 50-50 split. Yeah. yeah. Or like some pumped in crowd cheering. Like you think they would have that on hand. She got booed louder than Reese Hoskins did after he yeah. didn't pick the Alec Bohm throw yeah. in the early yeah. innings of the, the game three against yeah. the Braves. I mean, it's, it was- just, it, it's funny, man, because like we could, you, you don't even have to take it to a political side. Like you go yeah. back to Sarah, Sarah Palin from like almost 15 years ago and got the shit boot out of her at the Flyers game. I think they're just, they will just boo any politician that's uh, up there regardless. Of, I kind of agree. I don't think that if it were of a different party, you would have gotten a resounding cheer. I think people were like, we're here to watch the Eagles Cowboys get, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. You know, I think that was pretty much where. Can I tell, can I tell a really, really quick story? This, this is at the, the very first game that the union ever played in 2010 was at the link and Biden was there, but he was, he was the VP at the time. Right. But Delaware connection, all that shit, right? So everybody to get into that game was like a half hour late. I didn't even get into my seats until five minutes before halftime because since Biden was there, the Secret Service was fucking crawling around Lincoln Financial Field. So they had like these crazy checks for everybody to get in. And the process was so slow mm-hmm. that we all missed like half the game. So I, I, I would probably boo. What's that? You ever been Army Navy? No, no. Oh, I'm it's not. it's the same thing. The yeah. checks are insane. Yeah, because the president always attends. Was it you who said on the last show that you think Army Navy was like the only time a politician's ever gotten cheered out of? Yeah, Trump got of, cheered, yeah. cheered, cheered pretty yeah. well. Well, there you go. Look at the makeup of the crowd is different, but yeah, I find it fascinating. Sarah Palin, Jill Biden, Ben Simmons have all been booed into oblivion <laughs> now at, at Eagles game. So if anything, Chris if we learned anything from that, everybody's an equal opportunity. Mm-hmm. Booer yeah. and there's no, no political agenda here in Philadelphia for sports. Non-part, non-partisan. It's a non-partisan issue. You know, Bob, did we do that one all right? Yeah, that was not, good. I was. Not, with that. You don't have clammy hands. You're not sweating or yeah. anything. All right. Good. Good. So how about those flyers? Yeah. Those- yeah. Hey, shout out. No, you know what? Shout out to the flyers because they're. If you didn't see this, they're offering dollar dogs and five dollar beers starting at two p.m. on Sunday. Uh, until 5.30 when the doors open for their uh, Flyers-Canucks game. They're offering it because you can go watch the Phillies uh, play. Now, you you could go watch, and I think it's it's not on the Jumbotron or anything. It's like their East Hall Bar, I think it is called. But you know what? Dude, shout out to the Flyers. A couple gritty wins. Torts is breathing some life into this team, and they're actually making decisions that a competent franchise should be making. Yeah, now yeah. Russ, is, Russ is frantically trying to enter the show, probably, as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, Russ Joy versus Jason Martinez, yeah. the most yeah. storyline in Philadelphia sports media right now. Yeah. They, you know what I did? What's funny is that I like I don't think anybody should be surprised by it. Even, even when the Flyers are supposed to be good, they start out well enough and people get intrigued. And then we all stay up to watch the Western Canada road trip. Yeah. It's like 11 30 at night. I'm watching the fucking Edmonton Oilers, right? You know, wishing that we had Connor McDavid. And then they fall, then then they kind of fall apart. Then I mean last year they got into November at like eight and four, eight, four and two or something like that. And then they all fell apart, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I get it. Like we all, we all know what this team is. It's still a rebuilding team no matter what, but we all would be naive to think that like these professional athletes are going to roll, roll over and fucking die in game two. You know? I mean, like you think guys like Scott Lawton are going to come out and like start half-assing it. Yeah. I knew the torts would have them playing hard and blocking shots and, you know, not, not, 
being in the right space mentally, you know, mm -hmm. like it was never an indictment on that. Any of the criticism, any of the snarky stuff that we wrote in the off season, it was more of look at the roster that Chuck Fletcher's put together. Like eventually they'll fall back down to earth, but I don't know, man, they're showing me something, at least in the men the mental department, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I, think, I yeah. they're playing well enough or they're playing hard enough, let's say to at least check in if, you know, the, the Sixers or Phillies or Eagles aren't playing. Yeah. Hey, let's Dude, see. If the talent, if the talent's not there, the talent's not there. Fine, but like you know, it, uh, these the, the young guys got to show you something, and like the dudes who are like second line or third liners who, who may have a future with this team moving forward, if they just show that they they have have what it takes from a from a frame of mind standpoint, then that's great. You know, I don't need to see JVR score twenty five fucking gold, but it's but you know you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Bob. You got something to say? Actually, I have a question. So uh, for, for the Flyers, I have like no capacity. I have nothing to yeah. offer. I'm not even going to pretend to. But I, I will tell you, I kept a I kept an eye on uh, the, the Sixers the other night as uh, game one was going down, uh, Phillies game one. I was just checking in, and I have some friends who are like just just crazy Sixers fans. Like Jeff they were <laughs> Yeah. On that level, though, like they were broken after game one. Broken? Like, broken, like furious. Like Get a is, life. This year is going to be different. It, they're like, and, and after one game, it was like the same old thing. Like Embiid is soft. Where's the defense? Doc Rivers sucks. Like, is that is that justified? Like, Listen. I know that the expectations have been heightened here going into this season. There were some things about that game that did look very similar to a lot of the recurring problems, right? Like, mm. what is the real expectation of that this team this season? Kev, before you go, let me just do my point. I'll, I'll be quick before you give it the macro level which you haven't said yet so not everyone no one's been able to take a shot yet this, this yeah. youtube yeah. um i will not i will i will i will not invest energy i will not invest sadness happiness anything into the sixers until they make it past the second round this season i've i've drawn the line in the sand i'm tired of this i'm not a doc guy i think they they sell us a bill of goods that they never really uh recoup on um, I think we've poured so much money into this team. We've gone through the process until they make it past the second round. I will watch with an extended hand. I will write what I have to write. And then I will be on the bandwagon in the conference finals. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Man. I mean, there's a quick trigger with the Sixers, too, because you see some shit that reminds you of last year, it reminds you of the year before, the year before that. The, the Sixers have been in like the same like mold of expectations like for the last five or some years you know like it hasn't been ups and downs it's been like just kind of here you know yeah. right so it's not like the phillies were crap and then it's like oh we're all on board now or the eagles were crap and oh we're all on board now and like the union come out and surprising people the flyers being shit like for the sixers it's just been like okay we're rolling out a version of something with Embiid here and hoping to do what you say get by the second round but yeah i mean when you watch that game the other night you see like you know, the defense not really being there. Doc force-feeding Embiid in the post when it's like, obviously, he doesn't really have it. And you got Harden playing well on the perimeter. Yeah, I mean, I get why people would be frustrated. What bothers me more than anything, like, to be quite honest, is, like, if I got to watch Joel Embiid and Marcus Smart do their <laughs> flopping and faking and embellishing, like, routine one more time, man. I just – I have a hot take, honest to God. And, like, I, I want to try this on Bob. I, like – Seriously, I, I 100 million percent believe because I probably watch the most combined basketball and soccer out of anybody across the broad. I think the flopping and the faking and the embellishing in the NBA now is as bad as it, it ever was in soccer. Guys embellishing for fouls, Marcus Smart grabbing Embiid's leg and him falling over, 
Jalen Brown getting on top of him and like, you know, talking to him like these ridiculous five minute reviews that end up just being double text anyway. Or like I, I, I can't like get over this like game one, like all the gamesmanship and like drama in the NBA and all this like crap. It's like it, to some point, these guys just play the game. Yeah. Know? It's so it's like really interesting the way I consume basketball. Like I played basketball poorly, but I played in high school. Um, I love basketball, love college basketball. And I don't know if it's the the Sixers, if it's this like iteration of the Sixers or what it is, but I've sort of reached the point where Kyle is where I don't, I've never really found myself like captivated by this team. And the rest of the city has at different points. Like I, I just feel like I am watching the same thing on repeat, at least with the Eagles. I feel like every year is a little different. There's a, a different storyline, a different cast of characters, different expectations, the Phillies, I think we're kind of stuck in this, like in between for a while, but with the Sixers, like you know, people like Joel Embiid goes off and everybody goes crazy. He should be the MVP. I take personal offense that he's not the MVP. Jokic sucks. We do that whole thing. And then, you know, they have a bad loss and it's the same old Sixers and Doc sucks. And I just feel like we've been talking about the same thing for so many, for so many years now. And I know Ben Simmons was a big part of it. And now he isn't, I get all that. Like, do we debate Tobias Harris? Is he worth the money? Is he a, like, is he a top 30 player? Like, I just, I'm just kind of like over the whole thing. And so when I see Embiid flopping around the other night, some people got fired up by it. I just said like, this shit is so played out. Like I just find it to be so boring. And like, I can't bring myself to invest any real energy in it. And then I don't know if it's just because they keep getting bounced in the second round or what, but like, I just find the whole thing to be totally played out and we're one game in. And I'm like, I do not care about this. When do you remember, when was the last regular season game? that you remember that you're like, holy shit, that was an awesome game. Because I know back in 2021, there was one for me. Well, didn't like, so recently, I, I know that Embiid a couple years had a, ga- a game against the Lakers where he went crazy. Yeah. Like that was like a, a huge game. Yeah. Simmons even, was a Utah game. That was yeah, awesome. Simmons out of the, uh, out with Embiid out of the lineup scored 50. I guess it was against the Jazz. Did he yeah. do it against the Jazz? Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was a pretty big moment. Harden coming here last year kind of created a little juice off the bat. But like, by and large, it's like, how do you get amped up for this? And I'm not telling people that they shouldn't be excited or like things. It's better to like yeah. things than to not like things. I wish I didn't feel this way, but I, I do. Especially in the NBA, too, where the regular season is just such a matter slog. It doesn't yeah. matter. And there's guys sitting out all the time. It's just hard to get excited with these back to backs and, and whatnot. Yeah, I'm, because I, there's I, no. Yeah. There's um there's no comparison. You can't be like, oh, man, did you see, you know, the, the Sixers uh, lost to the Bucks? Okay, but Joel Embiid was out. Ben Simmons had the flu, and then it's like, oh shit, the Sixers just beat the Lakers. It's like, well, LeBron's. Oh, it's everything with NBA out. fans on Twitter. Well, they didn't have this guy for this yeah, game. This guy there, had because a there isn't. Because I, I, know, I know, and they tried to control that by by extending yeah. the schedule and extending the rest days and, and and telling guys you can't sit during primetime games. But it doesn't matter. They just do it anyway. They don't they don't care. And then when you're paying two hundred dollars to come see LeBron, and an hour before LeBron's like, yeah, you know, I'm just not going to go tonight. You're kind of like shit, you know. What if you're like, what if you're in, you know, Sacramento and you want to go see LeBron? Now, who are you going to watch? Yeah, like Brown. I don't know. The NBA is in a weird spot now. I, I, I my thing with the NBA is that people care more about the the trade deadline and free agency and all oh, the crazy the drama. drama and shit that people Drum's don't great. even care about the basketball anymore, about the X's and O's of it, you know. And it's like, I mean, to be fair, it's a it's a very I don't know. I don't need to get too deep into this, but it's it's a very basic perimeter kind of game now. You know, there's a lot of ISO and pick and roll and shit. It's not. It's whatever. You know. Who do you guys think Lana Rhodes' baby daddy is? 
I knew that would just go right over both your heads. I don't know who Lana Rhodes is. That's a storyline I'm not familiar with. Yeah, that's not a storyline. Okay. Yeah. When you when we get off this, um, Lana Rhodes has some tape her. out there, so you guys can go study that right. one. But it's Blake Griffin. It's not Kevin Durant. It's Blake Griffin. <laughs> no comment. I've never heard of her. I wouldn't know her. <laughs> yeah. Pop culture for me. But that's that's yeah. the best part about the NBA. It's the drama. It's so much. It's it keeps all the Kendall Jenner going. shit. All, all the Ben Simmons Kendall Jenner shit that we used to put up on the website did like amazing traffic. I'm like, what is this? This is pitiful, you know. Yeah, I, I have actually. I, I don't want to hijack your show, and I saw that. Uh, I saw that comment about let's get it. Let's get it over to the union. But before we do that, I, I do yeah. want to bring something to the table, and then I'll tap out. Uh, I know it's irresponsible and a total use of, uh, waste of time in the preseason, but can we just look at the Eagles' schedule real quick? Yeah, you want to? Can we, can we just do this real quick? I, I mean, like Steelers off a of bye. What, what do you got there? Oh, I mean, they look good against the Patriots, or not Patriots? Uh, who they just beat? They just beat the the, Bucks. Uh, the Bucks. Yeah, the, they look good, but the Bucks are also have yeah, Eagles are uh, Eagles are a ten point favorite in that game. Woo! Damn! Uh, right. Thursday night at the Texans. Have they? Do they have a win? Here win. it is, right? Thursday night at the Texans on Amazon Prime. I got a dub. You got Carson Wentz or Taylor. Hineke or Heineke coming in here with the commanders? Probably not. Indianapolis is one of the three worst teams in the AFC. Probably not. Aaron Rodgers, he's cooked. Probably not. I don't know, man. I'm just saying, like, you start to look at the schedule and you go, spot me the loss. Yeah. Remember when I said they were going to go 9-1 and if they beat the uh, Vikings yeah. when you came on a couple weeks yeah, ago? That prediction sucked. Vikings. You said you didn't like him against the Vikings because they have to lose at some point. And where's the loss? And I'm looking at this, and it's 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 hard to find one. They're going to do something stupid. They're going to have a game where they do stall in the second half. It bites them in the ass. They're going to need a wake-up call. It'll happen, but it's hard to pinpoint the game where it does. The, do- the loss is uh, Dallas on Christmas Eve because they already wrapped the division up. They're resting their starters for the next three like, weeks. No. Maybe, maybe Indy, like maybe Indy, they don't stop the run that well. Maybe Jonathan Taylor gets back. They have a good game running the ball. I, I but I, I went just to, I went to the I Aaron just... Rodgers Monday Night Football game against Green Bay, and I will always have, always have memories of him just three step drop slanting us to death on Monday Night they Football. Be, so the thing with Green Bay is by that point in the schedule. They, they might have figured it out. Like, Dan Orlowski did a good breakdown on Green Bay and was, was basically saying, like, the opportunities to make plays are there. It's not like they're getting they're getting shut down or, like, schematically just beaten to a point where they can't make the plays. So you do wonder, young, younger team, by the time you get to that point in the schedule, are they kind of hitting their stride? Certainly the way that the season's progressing, they would probably be the more desperate team. It's a primetime game. Like, you could make an argument a month, plus out that, that that's a tough spot, but do they have one by one? And you're like, Jesus, where, where's this team losing games right now? The Eagles haven't even put a full game together too, which is the craziest thing. I mean, you look at the point difference. I know Kevin broke those down. I mean, what is that? That third quarter and fourth quarter point differential is insane. And they're still six and oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, I know you like have they're, to, they're plus, I'm, I'm sorry. They're like plus 85 in the second quarter. And the next highest plus differential for any quarter of any NFL team is like plus 40. Something. So they're almost doubling that or does this just kind of feel like a little bit like an outlier? I mean, to me, it really it sort of does like I, I I guess there's something to it because every week it's the same thing. But when I when I watch it, I go like there, there's got to be there, there can't be like a thing about the second quarter. Like, is there really something to like we felt him out in the first 
Now we're going to deliver the, the knockout blow. And then the game flow in the second half allows us to kind of dial back and take our foot off the gas. Like, is that really what's happening here? I, yeah, we we talked about it on Tuesday, and I just thought it was like, you know, when you come out to a big lead, you know, obviously, like, the opponent's probably going to make the first move and the first adjustment, and then you're kind of waiting to, to work off of that. I, you know, that was really the only tactical thing I could think of. Otherwise, it's just a mental thing where they got to come out and not not put out put together three and out and three and out and, like, get the defense off the field. But, I, yeah, well, I don't know. I, that obviously, Lane Johnson had a, a big part in that and coming off the field. I thought that that really yeah. kind of pampered them. But yeah. – you know, Kyle, you're you're right, man. I mean, you like you look at this and you like look at how how this thing's playing out, and it's it's it gets interesting for sure. Can I can I deliver a, a spicy hot sports radio take? Mm. I did this in the Slack, and nobody nobody paid me any mind. So I bet I bet you guys won't pay me any mind here. If they don't make the Super Bowl this year, the season's a failure. I'm going to say it right there because I, it, there is so much overlap from year to year, and the parity always changes. I mean, look at some of the teams: the Bucks, the Packers, uh, the Colts. Like yeah. just have totally, uh... yeah. And and you feel like you feel like the Giants are coming. You yeah. you feel like that they're on the way up at this point. You feel like some of these other teams that are that are kind of off to a rough start are going to figure it out. But you, you're mm-hmm. so far out ahead, you should have home field. This draws back to what Kevin asked about the the Phillies and how do you kind of assess the Phillies uh, if they they don't win this series against the Padres? And it's the exact same thing. Like the stars are sort of aligned for you here, yeah. and though maybe nobody was expecting it coming in. You got to pounce when you can. Yeah. I mean, look at the NFC, man. 49ers at the top of the NFC West with the Rams three and three. Uh, Vikings five and one already decimated them. Buccaneers three and three. Falcons three and three in the NFC South. Like that, those are your division. Yeah. Your division leaders. They shouldn't be scared. No. About any of those. Yeah. Then you got like Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky coming up next. Like, yeah. I actually give a, a lot of credit to what the Giants have done. I mean, I I think we've all sort of dismissed them. We go like a Daniel Jones. But like what you look at, why I give them credit, it's not so much about the record. It really isn't. It's about how they've sort of gotten there. You've seen young teams, like we're going through this with the Flyers right now, young team not really ready to make a make a statement yet, gets off to a good start. And you could justify three and one at that point as that type of start. But to come out with the personnel deficiencies that the Giants have had mm-hmm. or the Giants possess and find a way to come back from double-digit points down against Green Bay in England – and win the game. And then the very next week in a clear letdown spot against a Ravens team that needed a win there, you know, three and two playing a little uneven. They need to kind of get their footing. They're down 10 points at home in the fourth quarter and they come back and win the game. And like, that's pretty damn impressive. And so we can all dismiss them. Do I think they're as good as the Eagles? No. Do I think that they're a real threat to win uh, the division? Certainly not. But you look at the way that the NFC East is, or the NFC as a conference is shaking out at this point. They're probably a playoff team. Doing it with David Gettleman's guys too, like you just said, yeah. like it's yeah, Brian, it's Brian, Brian Dable and Mike Kafka and Wink Martin. They are like the real deal, man. Yeah, like they are really, really well coached. Some of the stuff that they're scheming up there is is insane. Uh, running like two running backs and two tight ends and hitting a dude on a friggin' wheel route for a first down. Like, yeah, they have to over scheme almost for that team because they're not that talented. But yeah, I'm a I'm a believer. Hey, Kev, let's do soccer corner for two minutes before we uh, before we get out oh. of here. Yeah, I mean Union play. See you, Bob. Um, <laughs> Union playoffs tonight. Uh, they're playing Cincinnati. Um, I, you know, listen, man, they're the favorite. They're playing at home. They haven't lost at home this year. Only one fifteen favorite though. That's all right. Soccer odds are are weird because uh, there's a draw. There's a possibility. You know, so you never really see. Oh, so you guys can go to PKs. You're saying like that if they draw. 
Yeah, you get the money if uh, at the end of regulation, you know, so there's oh, still the three outcomes, okay. you know, so that's why you always see you never see teams like minus 200, minus 300, minus 400 ever in soccer. Unless it's like Liverpool or whatever, you know, playing playing Wolves or something. But the union uh, have the goalkeeper of the year. They have the defender of the year. They haven't lost at home this year since he beat them in Cincy and they got a 1-1 draw at Subaru. But uh, the union have the more experienced guys and they're battle hardened and they've been here before. So anything short of a union win would be a massive disappointment. So Listen, I man, tickets, tickets only going for $49 standing room only in the uh, general admission. If anyone gets down to Chester, yeah, did they add, they, I looked like they added, tried to add tickets, I think, cause it's sold out early. Uh, yeah. But, but whatever, 50, man, they're going to be on the same to get time. a uh, seat. Sorry. I'm, well, I'm glad that they, they got a break from the NLCS too. Cause then the, the union kind of get a, at least a True. little bit of the spotlight here, you know, and they're not going to be cock blocked by the Phillies or whatever, but the, the Eagle or the, I'm sorry, the uh, Sixers are playing at the same time, but uh, I would uh, suggest everybody go check out. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. If you want to hear more about that. It's a good plug. It's a good plug, Kev. Right. Not your first podcast. All right. That is the show for today. Uh, I am Kyle. What the fuck just happened in the chat? Uh, we got a bunch got, of Tinder spam we, shit. We just on got here. a bunch right, of bots out. in the chat. Bots in the yeah. chat. Um, all right. My name is Kyle. That was Kevin Kincaid. Thank you to Bob Wankel. Thank you to you, the listener. We will talk to you next week, next Tuesday, hopefully with a World Series birth for the Phils. Go Phils. Go Phils.